Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Previously, we examined the very important document and the constitution that the Holy Prophet signed with the citizens of Medina, whether the Muslims who came from the Aus and the Khazraj or the various Jewish tribes who lived in Medina and in the outskirts of the city of Medina. There were eight main Jewish tribes from the Aus and the Khazraj. The Prophet initially signed the document with them. Then after the Prophet signed the constitution with them, the three main Jewish tribes who did not come from Arab ancestry, those eight came from Arab ancestry, the three main Jewish tribes in Arabia who did not come from Arab ancestry were Banu Qaynaqa, Banu Quraidah and Banu Nadir. Then they came to the Prophet when they heard about the document and they told him, O Muhammad, we also want to sign a document with you. Let's make an agreement. When it comes to those eight tribes, the Prophet is the one who took the initiative. It was his idea to make peace with them and to sign this treaty. But those three main tribes, Banu Qaynaqa, Banu Quraida, and Banu Nadir, they came to the Prophet and it was upon their request that the Prophet signed. This is very important in knowing the events that would unfold later. It was at their request, the Prophet did not force them, the Prophet did not impose on them, they came to the Prophet, basically they told him, it's a beautiful document that you signed with these eight Jewish tribes in Medina from Aus and Khazraj, we also want to sign a similar document with you. And the Prophet agreed. Now the Prophet when he signed this document with them, he stipulated a condition, I'll translate to you the condition the Prophet stipulated. He says the Prophet makes this agreement with the three groups. Who are those three groups? Banu Qaynaqa, Banu Nadir, Banu Quraida, to the effect that they will not harm him. That's a condition. I'll make peace with you. We're one ummah, one community. Your enemies are our enemies. Your friends are our friends. We'll protect everyone. But on this condition, they will not harm the Prophet or his friends with their tongues and hands, peace, and will not supply arms and mounts to his enemies in case they act against the contents of this agreement. The Prophet makes it very clear what the consequences will be. So there will be no surprises, you're making it very clear. If you violate this agreement, what are the consequences? The Prophet would be at liberty to shed their blood, meaning to fight them, this is just an Arabic expression, confiscate their properties, meaning their lands, and make their women and children captives. Now in our last class we talked about women and children being taken as captives, is that humane? Why did the religion of Islam allow that in certain circumstances? We had a discussion about this in detail and it's a very very important and sensitive discussion, uh, especially women who are taken as slaves. 
we examined the circumstances and the conditions and the philosophy behind it. So the Prophet makes this very clear from the out, outset. Then Hay ibn Akhtab, he signed on behalf of Banu al-Nadir, Ka'b ibn Asad on behalf of Banu Quraidha, and Mukhayriq on behalf of Banu Qaynaqa. These were the signatories of that document. So this was truly an amazing treaty that the Prophet signed with the people of the book, specifically the Jewish tribes. Now to summarize why this treaty was so important, first of all, the Prophet introduced a new phenomenon which was called one ummah, one nation. Arabia was divided along tribal lines. You're from my tribe, I defend you even if you're a murderer. There was no sense of justice. The Prophet creates one ummah, let's unite. Bring various tribes in Medina. People came from Mecca, from other areas. So the Prophet had various tribes unite together. Not just tribes, but also different religions. The Prophet actually invited the Jews to be one ummah. You're one nation with us. We live peacefully, we'll do business with you, we'll come to your markets, we'll coexist. And that's beautiful that the Prophet in 7th century Arabia, in that lawless peninsula, the Prophet creates this document. Secondly, we find that the Prophet gave Jews religious freedom. That's religious tolerance. The Prophet did not impose on them to become Muslim. He did not force them to become Muslim, no. The Prophet says, you have your religion, I have my religion. You respect us, we respect you. Don't harm us, we won't harm you. Don't conspire against us, we won't conspire against you. This was the agreement that the Prophet made with them and he made it very clear that their property, their religion, their women, their children will be safe and sound if they do not break the agreement. In fact, one of the clauses of the constitution states, the Jews shall, re shall maintain their own religion. These are the actual words of the constitution the Prophet signed with them. The Jews shall maintain their own religion and the Muslims, they shall maintain theirs. Loyalty is a protection against treachery. The close friends of Jews are as themselves. The Prophet is even giving the special status not just to the Jews, to their friends as well. That if you Jews have friends, there are tribes who are your allies, good with you, we'll also respect them will also be at peace with them. The Prophet made this very clear. Now in the end, the Prophet makes it very clear that if there is any disagreements about this constitution, any disputes, we need to appoint an arbitrator, someone who would resolve the disputes. And that arbitrator is Muhammad Some Orientalists, they come and say, look, that's biased, that's unfair. He's signing a document with them and he's the arbitrator in matters of dispute. That's not a fair agreement. The response to that is that the Prophet was known by everyone in Arabia to be what? Trustworthy. Even the enemies that he had in Mecca, they recognized that the Prophet never lied never deceived, never broke a promise in his life. So he was the best candidate to be the arbitrator. Who can you bring someone better than him? 
Muslims and non-Muslims alike recognized that the Prophet's track record, his history shows he never broke a single promise in his life. So that's why he's the arbitrator, not because he was being biased and he wanted things to go his own way. And remember when the Prophet appointed himself as the arbitrator, did the Jews say no? They didn't. In fact, we find the three main Jewish tribes after this document, they come and ask the Prophet to sign this document with them. So that means the Jews initially, they were okay with this, that the Prophet he himself is the arbitrator and the Prophet never imposed on them. He never told them, hey, if you don't sign this, I'm gonna kill you. It was an offer that he made, a suggestion that he made and they accepted. So it was completely out of their own will that they accepted the Prophet to be the arbitrator. Now later we see they will reject this but in the beginning they accepted this. So it's very important to consider this document when we see how many of these Jewish tribes violated almost every clause that they signed on in this document. This is very critical and unfortunately a lot of these non-Muslims orientalists when they look at the history of the Prophet and why he you know expelled some of them from Medina, why he fought some of them, oh look at the Prophet, he's not a man of peace, why did he fight them? Well we have to see how the events transpired. It all started with this peaceful beautiful document, the Prophet gathered all of them and they signed willingly, no one forced them to then they were the ones who broke this treaty.